Well, good morning, Hills Church. Whether you are online or whether you're in service today in Theater 1 or 2, we are so glad that you're with us today. If I've had a chance to meet you, my name is Chris. I'm our Family Ministries pastor here. And today I'm excited because we are closing out our series, New Year, New You. What we've been talking about this is that every year we always make New Year's resolutions, right? We're going to lose more weight. We're going to read more books, right? We're going to make this positive change in our life, but we normally ignore the issue that is within. And in this series, we've realized that changing doesn't happen on accident, but it happens on purpose. So what we're going to do is we're going to make a spiritual change on the inside of us, and we've been tackling that every single week. Now today we're going to talk about one thing, that if we leave unchanged and untouched, it will have really big implications on missing out the type of person and people that God wants us to be. We must change it. And here's what it is. Your self-image, your identity, who you are. See, our entire lives are built up on our self-image, right? And sometimes our days can fluctuate based on how we view ourselves. Maybe for you, you're at a job interview and your heart is pounding because you're dressed up nice and you really want to make a good first impression. Maybe for you, your self-image tanks when you look in the mirror because you don't like what you see. Maybe for some of us, you were just nervous coming to church today because you're trying to put on the perfect perfection, right? The kids came up in the car and you just yelled at them, hey, be quiet, but they're like, hey, we love Jesus as soon as you walk in, right? We're always trying to make our self-image the best that it can be. And I know for me growing up, when my self-image was at its like crux of up and down like a roller coaster was when I was in school. Anybody remember those times in school, right? Your body's changing, your voice is changing. Maybe you had a mullet. And if you did, God bless you. I'm not judging you. It's just weird. Um, and, And so we have all these different changes, right? I remember for me, that was the time that it was like the worst for me. My self identity and worth was just a roller coaster. And I'll explain why, but I need a little bit of your help. Okay. Whether you're online or in person today, I'm about to show you a photo. Okay, and I need you to tell me how old you think I am in this photo. Please do not laugh. All right, here we go. How old do you think I am? Go ahead, you can shout it out. Does someone just say 30? <laughs> I'm only 26. It's a good guess, though, sir. All right, anybody else? What else? 15, 14. Okay, let me put this in perspective for you. I was 17 years old, and I was a senior in high school. I looked like I was auditioning for Twilight. Okay. And if you don't get that, ask the younger person next to you. It was a movie. It's not a big deal. Okay. Uh, and I looked super young. Okay. Right. These were my senior photos. I was shorter than everybody else. I even had friends who got these photos and started to make memes out of them. All right. I call this one when Chris finds out you break your fast because, and the caption says, wait till God hears about this. All right. It was good times being me. And this is how I explain it to people. All right. Growing up, uh, like I hit my growth spurt very late in life, right? It was the end of junior year, senior year. The way that I explain it to people is that my brain had a team meeting, right? It got the whole body together. It's like, Chris, we need to fix this. Chris is a pretty weird human being. Uh, if you didn't notice, he's kind of disproportional. We need to help him out a little bit. So everybody start growing, right? So arms and legs got the memo. Uh, torso took a sick day. Okay. It just didn't show up for some reason, right? And everyone's like, tell him nobody told him. All right, because as my arms and my legs start growing, all right, my torso was like Kevin McAllister from Home Alone because he got left behind, okay? And so everything starts growing. My torso stays small. It's about the size of a chiclet with spaghetti noodles for arms and legs, all right? The best way I can describe it is I looked like an orangutan running around high school, people. It was weird, okay? And my self-worth was going up and down all the time. Why? Because I would have moments of super confidence and I would wear really weird vests. And then I had moments where I hit the low and I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. 
See, all of us, our self-image has such an impact on how we see things. Why? Because it will impact your attitude. It will impact the relationships that you have. Some of you have an extremely positive self-image, maybe too positive. Some of us have an extremely negative self-image of ourselves, and it brings us down. Wherever you are at, we've got to recognize that your self-image is very important, and it dictates how you see life. Now, here's the problem that many, many of us run into, okay? Is that in our self-image, most of the times, it's a man-made creation we make on our own. So the things that we have experienced, the relationships we have, the things that we have gone through, we build our self-image around that. Here's the problem. So often, we will develop our self-image, but we will never ask God what he says about it. So often, we will build our image up, but we never ask the creator. And here's the thing. If you build your self-image not off of God, you have a very unhealthy self-image. Here's why. Because you're looking through a perspective and lens of what you and what other people say about you and not of what God says. And as people, if we really want to take a step into a new year, right, a new us, and we're living on purpose, we've got to recognize that our identity has to be spoken through from God. So how do we fix this problem, right? How do we change this, that we're getting a self-image that comes from God and not from us? Well, there's three things in scripture. I can't speak this morning. I haven't eaten in about 21 days. Excuse me. Okay. It's hard. All right. There's three things in scripture that it points out for us so that we can change from an unhealthy self-image to a positive one. And here's the first one. We have to embrace conviction. Embrace conviction. Look what Jesus says in chapter 16, verses 7 and 9. It says, but in fact, it is the best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God of its righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. This is a sobering truth. This is a difficult truth, but it's one that we need to hear. You can never have a healthy relationship with God until you recognize that you are a sinner and in need of a savior. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? It's great, right? But that's the truth. God has sent the Holy Spirit because we are in need of a savior. And the Holy Spirit convicts us so that we can see from God's perspective and not our own. And it's the first phase is a very important step. But so often, even though it's so important to our lives, most of the time we overlook the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we ignore it. Why? Because no one likes to be told the things that they have done wrong and the things that they have failed in. I have never in my entire 26 years see a person go up to somebody and say, honey, can you remind me of the time I forgot your birthday? Ever. No one would say that you would die. Okay. I've never seen anybody go up to somebody and say, hey, can you remind me of the time I lost my anger at the family picnic? Everyone was crying. It was great. No one has ever said that. Why? Because no one ever wants to bring up the things that they've done wrong. And so often when the Holy Spirit will convict us, we want to shove away from it because it makes us feel uncomfortable. But here's the problem with that. If we begin to ignore the Holy Spirit and the conviction it brings us in our life, we're going to be in a world of hurt. And here's why. This is what Mark Batterson says in his book, Whisper. If we don't listen to everything that God has to say, eventually we won't hear anything he has to say. And we probably hear most of what we want to hear the least. As Christians, we get stuck in an unhealthy self-image. Why? Because we push away from the Holy Spirit's conviction in our lives. And we've got to understand this, is that when God goes and convicts us through the Holy Spirit, he doesn't do it because he hates us. It's far from the opposite. God does it because he loves and cares about us. 
Check this out. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, it says this. The Lord disciplines the ones that he loves. Notice, it wasn't hate. It wasn't disgust. It wasn't bitterness. No, no, no. The Lord disciplined the one that he loved. See, we got to understand when the Holy Spirit is convicting us, it's not because God hates you, but he's trying to produce something out of you to get you away from that unhealthy self-image into a healthy one. He's trying to produce something. What is he trying to produce? We see this a few verses later in verse 11. It says, now all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. Yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. See, when we get God's discipline through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, what is it trying to do? It's trying to bring up old hurts and old pains and things that we've been trying to shove down. That way it can produce a transformation of character. But we have to choose to embrace conviction. Anybody in here ever watch TLC and the TV show What Not to Wear? Anybody? Wow, all the women, fantastic. I'm glad I'm in a good group. Okay. Um, (laughs) So I remember watching this TV show growing up, and in that show, they would always take somebody whose style was awful, right? Like their friends and their family hated their wardrobe so much, they're like, please change them, right? And so they would go into the show, and then you had Stacey London, Clinton Kelly. Yes, I watched the show. Let's move past that. They would go, and they would take them into this glass booth, and they would go through their entire wardrobe, right? They'd be like, oh, this shirt is awful. Why would you ever wear something like that? It was hurtful. They'd be like, you have the worst fashion sense ever. And you're like, thank you. Like it was really messed up all the things that they would say. They would throw their entire wardrobe away. They would take them on a shopping spree. They would get them all these new clothes and things that look good on them. Hey, this shirt looks good on you and here's why. Oh, you need this and you need that because that's in style right now. And before you knew it, there was a process of transformation that happened in that person's life. They went from this old way of living to this new way and they looked better. A lot of the times I see the Holy Spirit as an image consultant on our behalf because so often we'll live life putting on the old things that we should have gotten rid of. Oh, you know what? Today's a new day. Time to put anger back on because of what that person said to me. Oh, it's time to put bitterness back on because you know what? They never ask for forgiveness and they deserve it. Oh man, I'm going to hold on to the shame and regret of that Friday night that I'm trying to forget or the thing that I did. And the Holy Spirit's going, what are you doing? Why are you still clothing yourself in things you should have let go of? You've got to let go of that anger. I know it's painful to talk about and what they did to you in the past, but you've got to let it go. You've got to start wearing peace instead. Man, I know you've been holding on to that shame and that regret, but you know what? Why don't you choose God's joy instead? I know you've been holding on to bitterness and resentment, but you've got to let it go and choose forgiveness. Because the truth is, is that when the Holy Spirit brings up those things, even though it's painful, even though it's uncomfortable in those moments, God's doing it out of love, but he's trying to remove the unhealthy self-image that we once have to heal us from those things that have hurt us so that we can walk into a new identity, one that is healthy and focused on God. Now, there's one thing we need to talk about that I think in the church, we kind of get mixed up and we kind of get messed up. A lot of times in the church, you, you hear the word conviction, which is what we just talked about, but you also hear the word shame, right? I think a lot of times as Christians, we like to put the two together, but the problem is, is they're so far apart from one another. And if we're not careful, we'll live, we'll live from a place of shame and get caught up in our old unhealthy self-image. Let me explain. Conviction comes from God. It's something from the Holy Spirit that exposes our need from Jesus and brings us closer to him. Shame, on the other hand, drives you away from God, accuses you, and tells you that you do not deserve the forgiveness of God. And I see so, people, so many people in the church 
that they'll talk about and they're living in this shame cycle. Well, Chris, man, I've always messed up in this. I'm always going to mess up in this. God can't forgive that because I keep on doing it. I'm always going to be this parent because I keep on failing. I'm always going to be this. I'm always going to be that. And they're stuck in this shame cycle. The Holy Spirit is looking at you today and say, let it go. If God died on the cross for you, that means it covers all sin. And your sin isn't greater than somebody else's. So if God's given you forgiveness, you need to accept it and move forward. Because the truth is, is that if we're sitting in this unhealthy self-image, we will never be able to heal and then move on to where God wants us to be next. And the only way that we can do that is to go ahead and say, hey, I'm accepting conviction and I'm embracing it. But here's the thing, though. A lot of times we will ignore what the Holy Spirit says and we will do our own thing. That's a very scary place to be, and here's why. Jesus talks about a certain group of people who are blind to their sin, but very apparent of other people's. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 and 14. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everybody else. These are people who haven't listened to the conviction of God. They said, no, 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 I'm good. I've got it together. I'm the one who's holding it down. It's the other people who are sinners. And this is what he says. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other one was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I just imagine he's really smug. I'm just, okay. Um, I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You notice what the Pharisee said? As he stood before God, he couldn't bring up one thing wrong that he did. He talked about how he tithed. That's great. You should tithe. God asks us to. You should fast. It's a spiritual discipline. Absolutely. That's great. But he could never see the sin that was in his own life. And so often as Christians, we'll walk into a church service and say, God, you're the God of miracles. You're awesome. But we don't realize the sin that is in our own lives, but we'll start pointing it out in other people. And if we're not careful, we'll become spiritual hypocrites, damaging the gospel because people will take one look at us and want nothing to do with us. They say, wait, you follow Jesus? I don't want anything to do with that. And we can't be that way. So how is it that we find the middle ground where we're not blind to our sin, but we're not crushed by our shame? It's a fair question. And I think Paul, he writes the perfect way to live in a balance, a place of conviction so that you can change from an unhealthy self-image to a healthy one. And this is what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And look what he says about himself. And I am the worst of them all. That's a big declaration. You got to understand, Paul is a big deal, right? Jesus has passed from the earth, and Paul is taking the message of Jesus and shared it everywhere where he's gone. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. People have come back from the dead. Paul is the man. But he makes a saying that I'm the worst of them all. How, why would he say that? Because Paul never forgot where he came from. See, before Paul, he was Saul. And he was blinded to his sin. He went around the country persecuting and killing Christians. Why? Because he was blind to his own sin. 
But then he had a moment with God where it convicted him. He said, no, 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 I can't live this way anymore. And look what all God has brought me from. And it's healed me. So now I can follow and do what all that God has for me. If you're stuck in an unhealthy self-image, you've got to embrace conviction so it can bring up those pains and those hurts. You've got to bring them to God so that he can heal them so you can move and be ready for the healthy self-image that God has for you. That's phase one. We've got to embrace conviction. But here's phase two. My sins are forgiven. See, God convicts us of sin in order for us to appreciate what God has done through us, through Jesus on the cross and his forgiveness. Have you guys ever seen this? Like you've seen someone who isn't thankful for what's been given to them, right? You usually see it a lot at birthday parties. A kid will open a present, you know, and they're like, oh, a watch. Stupid. You know, and they just kind of like throw it away and you're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with that kid? You got that for free. You should appreciate it. And we look at that, that's, man, that's disgusting. You know, I remember growing up as a kid, I lived in Florida. I don't know if you knew this about Florida. It's hot, um, but it is, and you should try it sometime. It's crazy. Um, but I remember living out there, and usually during the summer, it's about 90 to 100 degrees. Like, it's hot out there, okay? And I remember going, coming from outside, running in from a heat wave. I would open the door, and poof, I ran into another heat wave. Why? Because my dad was a thermostat hawk, okay? You could not change it. If you changed it, you would get in trouble, right? So he would set that thing at 80 degrees, okay? It was hot, all right? And I remember there's a few times, whether it was myself, my mom, brother, sister, whatever, we would go up and we would change the thermostat. I'm serious. I think my dad had like a spidey sense because he'd be doing something and if it changed, he'd just be like, who did it? And then he would just come and find you, you know? And so then he would come in and he would say like, who touched the thermostat? I'd be like, it was me. And he'd be like, my dad, why can't we just leave it cooler. Like it's not that big of a deal. You just look at me and say, Chris, when you can pay for the electric bill, you can turn to whatever degree you want. Some of y'all are laughing because you've used that line with your kids. Okay. And so I never realized the value of that until I had to start paying the bills in my own home. And then I realized the value of what my dad did. Oh, it's five degrees outside Evansville. Chris, you better put on a sweater and blanket because we're saving five bucks on the electric bill this year, okay? Like, that's the plan, right? Because I understood how much it cost. I understood the value. I think for us as Christians, we get into a dangerous place because we never had to pay for our sin to be erased. We don't value God's forgiveness. That's a dangerous place to be. Why? Because we never had to pay for it. And so often we'll go through life and we say, yeah, I got forgiven and all this, but we don't really realize the value and what Jesus went through for us. So let me lay it out for you. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That means we suck, okay, right? And then the Bible tells us this, for the wages of sin is death. You know what we deserve? Death, not fun. But here's the beauty of this is that God looked us while we were in our sin and he looked us while we were in our shame and he said, I want you. So he sent Jesus down to live a perfect life and even though he didn't deserve it, he willingly said, they have value. They have worth. Let me take their place. I'll go to the cross. I'll die for their sins. And in that moment, not only did Jesus say, I'm going to pay for some of your sin. He said, I'm going to pay for all of your sin. And when we recognize that God paid full price for us, it changes the way that we view our self-image. Because our self-image isn't built on of who you are and the job you have and the failures and the mistakes that you've made, but it's what Jesus has done for you. When you realize that God paid full price, you'll stop giving other people discounts. Hmm. That's way better than you go. Oh, you guys are just sitting there. Okay, that's fine. 
That was really good. Okay. When you realize that God paid full price, you'll stop giving other people discounts. You'll stop listening to the negative things that people say about you because you know what God paid for you. You'll stop listening and finding your accolades and your jobs and the cars you have and the lifestyle you live. Why? Because Jesus paid full price for you. And we've got to understand it's because we are valuable that Jesus died for us and it helps us to shift from an unhealthy self-image to a healthy one because we know that God paid the price for us. But not only does God forgive us our, our sins, but here's the beautiful thing. God begins to cleanse our minds. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ through who the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. You know what's beautiful? It's not only does God forgive you of your sins, but he begins to lift the weight and shame of the things that haunt you. He begins to cleanse your conscience and the thoughts. So when you rest your head on pillow at night, you don't have to worry about the mistakes you've made. How amazing is that? God goes and he gives you a fresh start, not just with your sins, but with your conscience as well. But here's the beautiful thing of forgiveness. God also gives us that, not just for our own benefit, but he wants us to be able to connect to others, to sympathize, to help them, and to love them, right? Now, as the family ministries guy, I have the opportunity to usually hang out with a lot of kids on Sunday, right? And I think the reason that I can connect with kids pretty well is because I've never lost the inner child that's inside of me. I can always go back, right? Here's a prime example of this. Yesterday, I was working on the sermon trying to get ready for today. Uh, Savannah and all of the kids, they came in because they needed to pick up something. So the youngest is Bauer. He's about five years old and he runs up and this is literally the conversation we have. He goes, hey, Chris. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I want to be a potato. Cool. You know? And in that moment, if you said that to a coworker, they'd be like, you're insane. That's weird. You're not a potato. Right. But I remember what it was like to be five. Right. So I looked at him like, you're a potato. I was like, okay, cool. I took off my hat. I put it on and cover his face. And I said, you're not a tornado. You're not a tomato. You are a potato. And I took off my hat and he's standing there like, I'm not a potato. Why? Because anyone would have dismissed that. But I remember what it was like to go back and be five. Right? And we've got to understand this as people. Just because we pass through a certain phase doesn't mean we can't go back and remember and appreciate what we had. See, when we go back and be reminded of what we've gone through and the sin that God has forgiven us for, it helps us to sympathize and empathize with people who are still far from Jesus. Because here's the problem. As God has forgiven us of our sins, guess what? He's also changing your thought pattern. And the sins that used to weigh you down and that shame has been lifted. And so often because we forget about the weight of sin, we can't sympathize and empathize with others who are still caught in sin's trap. And so often we'll look at people and even though that God loves them, we are disgusted by them. You say, oh, do you see what they put on Facebook? Do you see how they're raising their kids? Do you see the language that they just use? I have to be surrounded by them in the workplace. Oh my gosh. And sinners come into church and they feel embarrassed. Not because you said anything, but they know the feeling when they're not welcome. And we talk about how we want to reach the Midwest for Jesus. And we talk about how we're supposed to love people. But when was the last time you actually took someone who didn't love Jesus to lunch, not because your work forced you to? When was the last time at church you talked to somebody here that you didn't already know? See, we talk a big game, but when it really comes down to it, because we've forgotten what it's like to be a sinner, it's really hard to connect with other people. 
I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. See how quick we are to forget that we were sinners too. How quick we are to forget that God saved us, not because of us, but because of what Jesus did. And so often we will begin to judge people and hate on them because they don't look like us. But Jesus was the kind of guy who knew how to love people right where they're at. You know where you'd usually find Jesus in scripture? Hanging out with sinners, tax collectors, even prostitutes. He would hang out with them. You know why? Because he saw the value in them. And if we were trying to be like Jesus and reach the Midwest for Jesus, we've got to understand what Jesus did. Jesus knew how to connect with others because when you make a connection, then you can turn their direction. And we've got to understand in our lives that we've got to remember what it was like before we found Jesus so that we can love people because it's our duty to love and accept others just as Jesus has done. Because not only is the forgiveness of sins for our benefit, and it changes our unhealthy self-image to a positive one, but also helps us to connect to others so that they can find Jesus as well. And the final phase that we go through when we're trying to find an unhealthy image and fix it to a positive one is this. We are now new creations in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. When someone sins and they repent for their sins, God literally makes them a new creation. He goes into their spirit, their soul, and he wipes away all sins. But here's what still stays. The spirit is cleansed, but your old habits, your old attitudes, the things that you desire are still there. And you say, well, Chris, how do, how do I get rid of that? If I'm trying to do a new year, a new you, I'm changing all this, changing my self-image. How do I fix that? Second Peter chapter one and verse three tells us this, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. You know what the Bible is telling us is you just got to seek God, pursue after God, Learn a knowledge of God because when we focus on God, it changes us, our desires, and the things that we used to want. Look at the rest of this verse. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption and the world caused by evil desires. You may participate in the divine nature. God has that for you. But what do we have to do? We have to focus on God and his precious promises. You know, making a change after God makes us a new creation isn't so much a feelings-based decision, but it's just making a choice to say, I'm going to do it, right? I like to think of it this way. Wherever your attention is, your attitudes will follow. Wherever your attention is, your attitudes will follow. Because when you start to focus on God, and be reminded of all that he's done for you. What you notice is those old habits, the things that you used to run to have now changed. Your appetites change because you want to go after God. What's been crazy on this 21 day praying and fasting is, you know what? As I've sought after God, the things I normally desire and the things that used to trip me up were just gone. Why? Because my attention brought about my actions. It was crazy how those things changed. And for us as people, we've got to understand that when God comes and convicts us, he's trying to bring out change in our hearts 
right? And then we ask for forgiveness. He makes us new. He wipes the slate clean. And now we're new creations. So now that he's made us new, we have the choice to follow him. And today you have an opportunity. This is a new year. This is a new you. God's wanting to live on purpose, not by accident. And the choice is yours. Stop living in an unhealthy self-image. Come and look and see what God has for you. Because he paid the full price. He died so that you could live from that reality and not one that people say about you. You don't have to be lonely anymore. You don't have to be ashamed anymore. You don't have to be broken anymore. Because why? Because Jesus died for you. So what are we going to do? We're going to put our attention on him. Because when we put our attention on God, our attitudes will quickly follow. See, I realize this in life though. You might be sitting here today and you say, Chris, man, I I get it. I'm valuable. God's bought me with a price, but man, I I just don't feel it right now. There's times in lives, in our lives and mine included, where our attention can sometimes just drift off of God. And when that happens, you know, life will happen, whether it's a job, whether it's sickness, finances, whatever the case might be. And we left our attention, drift off of God and back onto our circumstances and when or do it, our attitudes begin to follow suit as well. And when that happens, how do we fix it? Because that's happened in my life. How do we get redirected and put our attention back onto God? There's a passage of scripture that I love and it's Isaiah 53. That when there's the times where my attention isn't in the right place, we can read this and it refocuses us to put our attention where it belongs back on God. So as we read this, I want you to think, man, where is God trying to speak to me and convict me? Where is it that I need forgiveness in my life so I can change my perspective and so I can love others? And man, where do I need to change my disciplines and get my attention on so my attitudes will change? I don't want to leave this moment without getting our attention right because it changes everything. So this is what we see in Isaiah chapter 53. The servant grew up before God, speaking of Jesus, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing that would cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him and thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains that he carried our disfigurements, everything that was wrong with us. We thought that he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. It was our sins and he took the punishment and that made us whole and through his bruises, we are healed. We're all like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing and gone our own way. And God piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on him. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered, like a sheep being sheared. He took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, he was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked. They threw him in a grave with the rich man, even though he had never heard a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan was that he would give 
himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And we see that God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Are you tired today? Are you sick of the shame and of the guilt? Are you sick of living in an unhealthy self-image that every time you look in the mirror, you hate the person that you are? Every time you talk to a family member and they bring up that one time that you screwed up, it breaks you down. Are you sick of always falling apart when someone says something about you? Are you sick of thinking of everyone thinks that you're the man, but when you're in private, you fall apart? God's saying, that's it. You don't have to live that way anymore. I've got a new image for you. It's time to throw off the old things, the anger, the bitterness, the envy, the rage, because I've got what you need. I sent my son to die for you, and he was beaten, and he was whipped, and he was ripped, and he did all of it because he saw you had value and worth. So don't find yourself in relationships. Don't find yourself in your job. Don't find yourself in the things that this world can provide because I'm all you need. I'm all you'll ever need. And as people, we've got to recognize that God has a plan for you right here, right now. He wants to change that self-image, but you've got to embrace conviction and go through some things that are uncomfortable in your past so that you can make a way to what's next. We've got to understand the forgiveness that what Jesus has done for us and let it change our hearts so we can be reminded of how we can love other people. And then we've got to go and we've got to put our attention onto God because when we do, we'll see our attitudes come to it and we'll see that we are new creations in Christ with a new self-image and we'll be ready for a new year. We'll be ready for a new year. We'll be new you. It'll be a new purpose and God's going to use you so we can reach the Midwest for Jesus. Because what's been so cool through this entire thing is to hear the stories. If it's not just the staff fasting, but it's been you. To hear people saying, I've never fasted before, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give up social media. I'm going to give up this. Here's why. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 talks about how God is a faithful God. And when we're obedient to what God asks us to do, we will see the faithfulness of God standing before us. And I believe that as we pursue after God, and not just because the 21 days pass this, as every day we seek after God and we make him the priority, we're going to see the faithfulness of God in our lives. But you have to make the decision to put your attention towards him. So that's what we're going to do today. Maybe for you, you've known Jesus for a long time and you just need to turn your attention. Maybe for you, it's a little bit different. Maybe for you, you've never asked Jesus into your life before. You've heard about a God who loves you and cares for you and you feel the Holy Spirit's conviction inside of you right now. You said, I've had enough. I can't do this on my own. I need a savior. I wanna give you an opportunity to invite him into your life right now. So here's what I need you to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, nobody talking to their neighbor. Go ahead and do that because we want to create an atmosphere where anyone can feel like they can raise their hand here in a moment. And if you say, Chris, I need to know Jesus because I've never accepted him in my life. On the count of three, I would love for you to slip up your hand. And then together we're going to pray a prayer. So one, 
God loves you more than anything. And two, he wants to forgive all of your sins and welcome into his family. And three, if that's you, you've never asked Jesus into your life before, go ahead and slip up your hand. Thank you, sir. I see that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, this is what we're going to do now. You can put your hands back down, but we're going to pray a prayer together. Why? Because we're a family and we're going to do this together. But I need you to go ahead and repeat this prayer after me. Everybody say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, dear Jesus. I am a sinner. I am not perfect. And I am in need of you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus to die on a cross for me to pay for my sins so that I can be free thank you Jesus come and forgive me right now and make me new and it's in your name I pray amen